Hello, you're listening to the Life Worship Center podcast with Pastor Helene Robinson. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed this message. Well, Galatians chapter 4 is where I want to read. And I want to start at chapter 1. I'm sorry, verse 1. But I want to say this. The title is don't go back there anymore. Don't go back there anymore. Don't go back there. And I'm going to tell you, in today's society, if everything pulling at you and stuff, please don't tell me you don't know how to go back there. Nobody has to teach you how to act ugly again. You know, Jesus saved you, but you know how to go there if they push you there. You, you, you know how to tell them a piece of your mind. Isn't it something that when you get saved, the Lord says, I work on your heart, and I need you to transform your mind with the word of God. Yeah. But if the enemy pokes that right spot, isn't it like it never happened and you know how to create Before you know it, like, where that come from? And, and nobody has to teach you again how to, to be like that. It's, it's always present. I think the part that we tend to believe, the longer I've known the Lord, the more I can put that flesh under subjection. But understand, I don't care how long you've known him, that flesh is always there. Well, you, you, we, he tells us to crucify every single day. Then we celebrate Thanksgiving once a year, Christmas once a year, birthdays once a year, all of that good stuff. We get paid every two weeks or once a month. But nevertheless, there are certain things the Bible says do every day. Put that flesh under subjection. That would need me to think that that flesh is always just a tad bit alive. It's always there, always there. And so I don't want us to ever go back there. And in Galatians, we're going to read, and Paul is talking to them, and he's admonishing them, don't go back there. Yeah, yeah. Going back can hinder where God wants to take you. Don't go back there. Don't go back there. Well, let's start at verse 1. And I want to read from the Phillips translation. Y'all hang in here with me because this is an awesome translation of this book. It says, verse 1 says, But you must realize that so long as an heir is a child, though he is distant or destined to be master of everything, he is in practice no different from a servant. Okay, so we're talking about an heir, now listen. He says, he has to obey a guardian, a trustee, until the time which his father has chosen for him to receive his inheritance. See, we are heirs and joint heirs with Christ. So as of right now, being an heir, I, I still have to submit under the one that I am under. An heir doesn't mean you get to run the show. You're just part of the extension, right? You, your, your parents leave you something. In the will, you're getting something. But you can't bypass mom and dad to get something. It's still theirs while they're here. You with me? Okay, so he says we're joint heirs with Jesus Christ. But let's watch so is it with us. While we were children, we lived under the authority of basic moral principles. Mm -hmm. okay? But when the proper time came, God sent his son, born of a human mother and born under the jurisdiction of the law, that he might redeem those who were under the authority of the law mm -hmm. and lead us into becoming, by adopting, 
watching true sons of God. All right. So everything Jesus did on the cross meant to set us in position that we can be true sons and daughters of God. Yeah. Aren't you glad Jesus came? Yes. Because without that, I could not be part of the family. I could not be. And here's the part where God so loved the world. He wanted to be in relationship with us so bad. That's why Jesus came. Mm-hmm. Jesus did not come just so we can live in the biggest houses and speak in tongues and say we're saved. And very yes, he yes. came because he wanted to be in a relationship with us. Mm-hmm. Yes. I tell you, his love is unfailing. Mm. The Bible says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Mm-hmm. Not when we were at our best, he gave. When we were at our worst, he gave. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm just going to say that because this is the giving season. Bye-bye. And I'm going to tell you, some of us are going to give according to how we feel. Devil on Jesus. Lord. Well. Now, just be safe and give gift cards. Here the They already have their mouth printed. But we're going to give now according to how we feel about people. Jesus. Now y'all take that for what it's worth because I want y'all to know how did our Lord give according to how he felt about us? So y'all take that home when you think about it and on the 25th just examine yourself. But we're going to give now according to how we feel. So it says, but when the proper time came, God sent his son, born of a human mother, and born under the jurisdiction of the law, that we might, that he might redeem those who are under the authority of the law and lead us into becoming by adoption true sons of God. Mm-hmm. It is because you really are his sons that God has sent the spirit of his son mm-hmm. into your hearts to cry, Father, dear Father. Mm-hmm. You, my brother, are not a servant any longer. You are a son. And if you are a son, then you are certainly an heir of God through Christ. This is where I I don't want you looking back. Look what Paul says. He's reminding them of their position now in God. You know, every now and then, when your kids go to the left, you have to remind them of their position. Mm-hmm. Sometimes when your kids act ugly, you want to just go, you know, this on them. But you go so far to say, who your mama and who your dad? Where you come from? You know, you do that kind of stuff. I know I heard mine say that. Where you, that's your daddy people. You know what I'm saying? So you, you, we get that. And as children, we don't pay it no mind. We just whatever. But as you get older, I realize my mama was insulting me. <laughs> I didn't realize that until I got older. That was not nice of her to say. You, that's your daddy. You got that mess from them. You see what I'm saying? Uh-huh. That was not a compliment. But what Paul did in verses 1 through 7, he reminded them of their position. He said, Jesus died. You are no longer out of the realm. You are in the family through adoption. Every now and then, you got to be reminded of your position in God. You're not distant from him. You are one of his, and he is your father. You don't have to sneak to talk to him. You don't have to whisper. You don't have to be ashamed. You don't have to hold your head down. He is your father. You can bust right in there and tell him what you want. So let's see why Paul had to, how he sets this up to talk to those in Galatia. He says, 
Verse 8. At one time when you had no knowledge of God. This is like a reprimand. Paul is great at that. Saying it out of love. He said at one time when you had no knowledge of God. You were under the authority of God who had no real existence. At one time we didn't know the Lord like we know him now. Come on. One time we did some stuff that we don't want to tell nobody about. He says, but now that you have come to know God, or rather are known by him, how can you revert to dead and sterile principles and consent to be under their power all over again? Paul is saying, hold on now. At one time when you didn't know any better, you did some crazy stuff. You give your heart to the Lord and you're able now to be called a son or a daughter of God and now he is your father. Why would you go back to doing those things you used to do? When you consented to sin and you consented to stuff because you just didn't know, when you now come to the knowledge, why are you trying to go back? Can I tell you something? I was thinking about this when I was reading this. And I said, Lord, what causes us to think about going back? What causes us to contemplate and say, man, I remember when it was easier when I was out there. Matter of fact, I remember when I was having more fun. (laughs) This Christian life is a whole lot of I can't do stuff. I can't wear stuff, and I can't go certain places stuff. This is not good. I mean, what causes us to even curl our mind back? You know what causes us to do it? The pressures of our present cause us to look for an escape out of where we are. And usually, my escape is going back to what I know. Jesus. When I can't fix a problem, I try to fix it. When I can't fix it, and I'm waiting on the Lord, I jump and hit him, and I try to fix it myself. When I don't know what to do, and I don't feel like waiting, I start making up my own plans. I don't know about y'all. I say, I ain't heard from the Lord, but this don't sound bad. (laughs) You know, Lord, I'm not sure, but I could do this and I could do this. It makes sense to me. And then what we'll do is we even get somebody to agree with a plan that we made. Ain't heard from the Lord, though. What causes us to go back to that which we were delivered from? Present day pressures. That's why we got to learn how to deal with those things. The Bible tells us to cast our cares on him. We got The Bible says, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. I didn't tell you to go anywhere else. But our present day pressures have caused us to make decisions where we have reverted back instead of allowing God to work with us to move us forward. Sometimes it's okay just to stay still. Sometimes it's just okay to really say I'm not doing anything or waiting on the Lord. You know, I used to think that that was a cliche. When you're growing up in church, you hear the the old mothers used to say I'm waiting on the Lord. I walk away, I don't know what that means. I gotta give an answer. I walk away, can I get some tennis shoes for Christmas? I don't know, we'll see what the Lord say. I need you to give me a yes or no. Because if I don't get them from you, I'm gonna ask grandma. I'm gonna say. But and as I got old, 
longer. That's not a cliche. There's nothing wrong with saying I'm waiting on the Lord. There's nothing wrong with saying I need to see what the Lord has to say. We don't do that anymore because if he doesn't speak in a window that our mind has set up, we tend to do something that we shouldn't do. Now here's the tricky part that the enemy does. Not everything that we do is necessarily a sin. Mm -hmm. Now you're not going back to the club. He ain't gonna get you to go all the way there. <laughs> he ain't gonna get you to go back to drinking like you. He ain't gonna get you to go there. Ain't nobody using no more letter work. He's not gonna get us to go that far. Uh -huh. mm -mm, mm -mm. But anytime I shift out of position where God left me, I still slip into disobedience. Mm. Yeah. Oh, see, we think disobedience is a big thing. Uh-uh. Disobedience can be an easy little slip out of where he left you. The enemy says, I don't need to get you way out there. But if I can get you out of your set place in God, I can slow down or hinder what God wants to do. Paul is admonishing them, why are you trying to go back? I tell you, you know, I, I was speaking to someone the other week that's in the church. I'm sharing it with Mike, and they are a believer, and they, they are considering going to seminary and all like that, and, and go, you know, they're considering getting their uh, uh, degree and, and all like that. But when I listened to that person talk, I was in a conversation with that person, and there were some words that that person used that believers don't use. Mm -hmm. So my ear kind of perked, like, ain't no piece of paper going to fix that funky. We, we, we got to go. You, and my head went, where are you going? And that next question, Trish, was why? <laughs> so I was able to get with that person later on, Sister Shirley had an open door. Now, seminary and knowing the word is different from having the word in you. So, so tell me why we're going to seminary. You, you know, I just want to know why. You won't pay some, you know, get your degree. But see, Jesus still may not be in. Uh, uh, Y'all with me? I don't know how I got there. I just want to share that experience that I had. See, just the mere fact that I get more Jesus on the outside, ah. I lather him on. You know how they, you know, they tell the kids when they're going outside the sunscreen and lather that stuff on. I get Jesus on me. Wow. It's cute. Getting Jesus in you is real. Ah. So Paul is admonishing the people, listen, when Jesus died for you on the cross and now he put you in position to, for God to be called your father, you a son and daughter, something happened on the inside. Amen. I'm not worried about this foolishness on the outside. Matter of fact, guess what happens the older you get? This outside starts to change you. You don't get, Lord, Jesus. Lord help us. You, this outside ain't like what it used to be. Oh, yeah. I don't care how much working out you do, how much dieting you do, things gonna change. You can fight that age thing all you want, but you're not like you were when you were 20. <laughs> Matter of fact, die and be put in the grave, your body is immediately starting to decay. Before the morticians get you, you ain't get in the grave, your stuff. 
Even if they're going to harvest your organs, there's a short window because if you don't catch it, it's no good. Guess what we put more attention on and lathering this outward man. And then the inside, we're dying there. Well, I see what Paul is saying because I decided when I was reading this, I said, oh, you a trickster. You want me to slide back. I ain't going nowhere. Amen. Nowhere. Nowhere, nowhere. So he says, mm-hmm. he says, your religion is beginning to be a matter of observing certain days or months or seasons or years. Frankly, you stagger me. You make me wonder if all of my efforts over you have been wasted. He began to talk how easily you have forgotten what Jesus really did. There's nothing like being around a believer that you thought was strong in the Lord and a trial come and they respond like a babe in Christ. You, you, You say to yourself, what you whining for like you just got saved? What, what, what you, I mean, it's like, it would be strange if we saw a grown adult in a pamper. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm just, you know, running around. Like, it would be awkward. It would be strange. We would call somebody to pick them up because something has happened. We would stay away from them. But when we that have been in the way so long uh-huh. and we respond contrary to the word, that is exactly how Jesus sees us. Why is this one that has known me so long responding like we just met yesterday? Mm-hmm. Why is this one that's known me so long that their first response can't be what the word of God says? Mm-hmm. I wonder if they, Paul says, y'all been with me so long and I've been preaching. I really wonder how many of you got anything that I said at all? Mm-hmm. As an educator, I've taught lessons and I've given tests. And when I realized a great majority of my class didn't pass, I said, hey, hey, whoa, you got to reteach this for some. I know a few of y'all are going to sleep on the regular. <laughs> and I know a few of y'all I'm going to have to work with first thing in the morning because y'all looking at me, but I know you don't get it. But when the majority of y'all don't get it, it's not the student's fault, it's the teacher's fault, yeah? Yeah. Paul is saying, why is it that I'm preaching and my students are responding like they do not know? Jesus. Let's keep going to verse 12. I'm going to stop. He says, I do beg you to follow me here, my brothers. Mm -hmm. I am a man like yourself, Mm -hmm. and I have nothing against you personally. You know how handicapped I was by illness when I first preached the gospel to you. Paul said, I'm not putting myself above you and I'm not asking anything of you that I'm not asking of myself. I tell you, one of the best things you can do as as a believer when you witness is to make sure that that person you're witnessing to knows you're human just like them. Know you've been through something just like, how about this? Know you've made a mistake in the last 24 hours. Wow. He says, I didn't shrink from, you didn't shrink from me or let yourself be revoked at the disease, which was such a trial to me. In other words, you didn't leave. No, you welcomed me as though I were an angel of God. You received Paul, or even as though I were Jesus Christ himself. 
What has happened to that fine spirit of yours? When Paul, when he first got there and was going through, y'all received him and he was preaching and you loved it. You were jumping and shouting, had the tamarind. What happened to those people? Mm -hmm. Remember when you first got saved? What happened to that person? Yeah, what happened to that person that all the preacher had to do was get up and you were running? What, what happened to that person that all you had to do was find it in the word and you said, Lord, I believe that's going to happen to me tomorrow. Yes. Yeah. What happened to that person when you first believed? Amen. You know, honestly, what happens to us? Life. Somehow we let the cares of life outweigh our zeal for God. He says, what happened to those people? He says, I guarantee you that in those days, you would, if you could, have plucked out your eyes and given them to me. How I now, or have I now become your enemy because I continue to tell you the same truth? Paul says, where is that love that even you had for me? I was preaching the gospel then and you received it. Now, all of a sudden, you're looking at me funny. What happened to the people? Verse 17, oh, I know. He says, oh, I know how keen these men are to win you over. But can't you see that this is for their own ends? He says, in other words, I've seen some things come in your life to pull and lure you away. I've seen some things that have come to get you off track to now when you used to receive the word with gladness, you started to have a hard heart towards it. Now I see the cares of life have come and you haven't responded like a person of faith. Have you ever been disappointed by God? Disappointment means you expected something to happen and it didn't. Well, so I'm going to ask you again. Have you ever been disappointed? Well, yeah. just recently. But here's the thing. My response to that disappointment either can draw me closer to him and say, God, you know what's best for me. Mm -hmm. Or my response to this, that disappointment can silently chip away at my faith in God. God, I thought you were going to do it, and you didn't do it. Your word said you were more than able to do it. So I don't know why you didn't heal, and I don't know why that person didn't make it. I don't know why you didn't supply that need. Either I can take the posture and say, you know what's best for me. Yeah. You promised never to leave me for a second. Yeah. Or I silently keep it in, and now when I was here standing in faith, I done moved away because he didn't do what I was expecting. I got disappointed. It's not that I'm going to stop coming to churches. Not that I'm not going to stop loving God. But in honesty, in my heart, you let me down. So it's like, it's like I'm slipping away. Well, If we're not careful and learn how to deal with life situations, yeah. we can easily get slipped away and pulled away. And before you know it, my love for him and I was rooted in it. All of a sudden, the enemy is pulling me away. And then all you need is one thing to happen to you, and then you don't want to have nothing to do with the church no more. Have you ever met people like that? I, 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 Paul 
said, don't ever forget the place of your first belief. Don't ever forget the price that Jesus paid for you. Don't ever forget that when you gave your heart to the Lord, you are now a child of God. The cares of life are quiet killers. They are silently pulling and tugging at And we have two options. Either we can grow from it or we can slip back from it. I tell you, I, I don't know about you, but I choose to hang in there with God. I don't know about you, but I choose to believe God. Yeah. I don't know about you, but I choose to tell the enemy, I know the trials are coming, but I'm going to stay right here and watch God work it out. Amen. I, I choose to tell the enemy, I though you slay me, yet will I trust you. Yeah. I choose tell the enemy, your job is to come and my job is to trust. I choose to tell the enemy that when I don't know where to go, just stay with last place God told you. I choose to tell the enemy. Amen. I don't choose to act like he's not coming. I acknowledge he's coming, but I tell him how I'm going to respond. Wow, wow, wow. So verse 17 says, oh, I know how keen these men are to win you over, but can't you see that it is for their own ends? They would like to see you and be separated altogether. The enemy is not just wanting y'all to be wishy-washy, you know, he'll give you Jesus on Sunday, he'll give you Jesus on Thursday, he'll leave you alone maybe about Friday. He wants you to be separated from him totally. Don't think I'm jealous if it is a grand thing that men should to win, whether I'm there or not, provided it is for you. Oh, my dear children, mm-hmm. I feel the bangs or the pains of childbirth all over again till Christ be formed within you. Right. Paul says, I, I have a heart for you so bad that I'm looking that Christ be formed in you, not on you. Mm-hmm. See, I am not impressed that y'all look like Christians. I'm not impressed that y'all know how to do the churchy thing. I'm not impressed that Pastor Battle says he wants the whole church to come to his church every Sunday. I'm not impressed because that's not happening. I'm not impressed. Saw him yesterday. Still not happening. I am not impressed. Well, I am impressed that over time, Christ has been formed in you. Amen. Not on the outside, but in you. Paul says, I am impressed that he's informed and being formed in you. Working from the inside. I don't really care how you look on the outside. The outside will take care of itself. There's some pretty people that's going to miss heaven. There's going to be some people that wear long skirts that miss heaven. There's going to be some people with darlings, those things, on their heads that's going to miss heaven. There's going to be some preachers with a collar that miss heaven. There's going to be some bishops with robes that miss heaven. Because Christ was never formed in them. See, if the truth be told, what's in me is going to come out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus is not coming back looking for 
for a spot or wrinkle on the outside. You can't get the iron of water and press out your mess. He said, I'm not looking for that. I am searching for a church or a heart without spot or wrinkle. Paul says you're being slipped and drawn away because you've forgotten your position in God. There's nothing. Trisha and I were talking about it before church started. It would be better if you're a believer and you're not going to live it. Don't tell nobody. Mm -hmm. That's true. Then for you to be a believer and not live it and only focusing on the flesh and the outside and you cause people to go astray. Jesus. Uh, you it says, oh my dear children, I feel the pains of childbirth all over again. Till Christ be formed within you. And how long to be with you now? How I long to be with you now? Perhaps could then alter my tone to suit your mood. As it is, honestly, I don't know how Paul had gotten to the point of the people of Galatia. He said, I don't know how to deal with it. <laughs> Paul said, I don't preach all I know how to preach. I don't live the life before you, and I don't. Have you ever been, those that have had children, only know how to deal with you now? The old saints said, I'm going to put you in the hands of the Lord. Right. Yes, sir. Jesus, help us, help us. I'm having a meltdown right now. Help us. But Paul said, I don't even know how to deal with you anymore. When you are a person that have preached the gospel and you're living the life and you see the believers slowly slipping back, there may come a time when you have to put them in the hands yes. of the Lord. Putting them in the hands of the Lord doesn't mean I don't pray. Uh-huh. Putting them in the hands of the Lord doesn't mean I walk away. Putting them in the hands of the Lord is by faith, God, you fix it. Uh-huh. I get out of the way and let you fix it. Uh-huh. I decrease that you might increase. God, I sleep good at night because I know you're going to fix it. Amen. God, I'm not going to lose any sleep over how this is going to happen because I have put them, you in remembrance of them, and I trust God that he's going to do it. Amen. Paul says, I don't know how to deal with you. Verse 21, now tell me, you who want to be under the law, have you heard what the law says? Mm. And then he goes on to talk about the law there with Abraham, and, and then go look at verse 28. Now we, my brothers, are like Isaac, for we are like children born by promise. But just as in those far off days, the natural son persecuted the spiritual son, so it is today. Yet what is the spiritual instruction? Cast out the bondwoman and her son. For the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman. So then, my brother, verse 31, because I, 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 as I was reading this, I said, Lord, I thank you. I'm going to stand firm on what you said. Yes, Lord. Verse 31, so then, my brothers, are we not to look upon ourselves as the sons of slave women? What a little free. Every day the enemy wants to entangle us again. We are free in Jesus. Yes. Yes. I, I don't want to be entangled. I didn't say we don't make mistakes, but I'm not a slave to sin. Thank you, Jesus. I'm no longer in bondage to sin. I, I no longer follow that road. He says, sons of the slave woman, but are free. Not sons of slavery under the law. 
but sons of freedom, watch this, under grace. Mm. 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 So I'm gonna tell you, don't, don't go back there. Don't let the enemy pull you back there. You have a place in God that Jesus paid the price for you to have a place in God. Jesus so paid that price that you don't, there was a price that you could not pay. So why would I forfeit my place in God? Thanks for listening to the Life Worship Center podcast with Pastor Helene Robinson. If you're interested in joining us on Sundays, our services are held at the Clarence Cuffey Community Center at 2019 Windy Road, Chesapeake, Virginia, 23324. Our Sunday morning service is held at 1 p.m. and our Bible studies are held on Thursdays at 7 p.m. Join us and be blessed and remember, there's life in the word.